Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger and this is Small Biz Pod on Monday the 15th of October. Well, I'm very excited to say that I finally managed to put together in this show the podcast on Indian entrepreneurship, both looking at the entrepreneurial spirit and motivation that's within India, which is increasingly becoming a, an economic power, global economic powerhouse, uh, but also looking at the hugely successful pool of entrepreneurial talent in the UK, and also just tying it back to how those two uh, sections of uh, the Indian diaspora or the Asian diaspora are linking together um, in a, a business context. So, fascinating, some fascinating conversations, and I, I hope you'll enjoy uh, the show coming up very shortly. Other than that, the usual roundup of, of comments. I'm going to leave a few comments to pay perhaps uh, next week or the week after episode, simply because this is going to be quite packed, this uh, particular edition. So if I don't get to your comment in this show, don't worry, I haven't forgotten it. Um, what I would say, however, is that uh, Small Biz Pod ha- is conducting a survey, and I would be really, 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 really grateful if all listeners to the podcast or indeed readers of the blog, would uh, head over to uh, the smallbizpod.co.uk homepage and click on the little uh, iPod Touch image to go through to do a short survey. It shouldn't take more than about five or ten minutes. Uh, you do have an opportunity potentially to win, if you're the lucky name to be drawn from the hat, um, an iPod Touch, an eight-gigabyte iPod Touch. So there's a little bit of an incentive there for you to enter. And yeah, all your feedback is really, really worthwhile. Get, got very nearly a hundred or so uh, responses so far, and it's, it's only been up a, a little while. But uh, the more, the merrier. The, the greater the insight from you guys out there, the more uh, I'll be able to adapt the Small Biz Pod site and the podcast to suit what you guys are, are looking for. So thank you very much for your feedback and time. Shouldn't take more than five or ten minutes, really. Uh, and there aren't any hard questions so i'd be really really grateful if you would pop on by and do that survey i'm also really really grateful as you know to sage who is a leading supplier of business management software uh, they have something like seven hundred thousand small and medium-sized business customers in the uk alone and they specialize as i say in uh, provision of, of business management software lots of you will be familiar with their um, excellent accounting uh, packages uh, which go from a kind of startup range up to uh, much larger medium-sized businesses and corporates so they have options there for uh, your business uh, as you grow and so whether you're a, a larger organization or uh, a smaller one that's growing uh, their aim is really, or the aim of their products and services, is to manage your finances and, or to help you manage your finances, people and customers, suppliers, and, and even sort of future business success better and more efficiently. So uh, do check them out. Uh, click on the little Sage logo on the smallbizpod.co.uk homepage um, or visit them at sage.co.uk uh, to find a little bit more out about them and how they might be able to help your business. So thanks. Sage. And now let's go straight into those series of interviews with Asian entrepreneurs. Well, very few people can now doubt that India is on the rise as a global economic power. And within India and uh, around the globe, Indian entrepreneurs are having a very big impact. Um, only last week, uh, the Sensex, which is the India, India's uh, stock exchange, rose to its third consecutive all-time high 
um, at 18814.07, just uh, the third time in a a matter of uh, a few months. Um, In addition to that, we had in the UK last month uh, the Lloyds TSB Southern Jewel Awards, which recognised some of the uh, extraordinary entrepreneurial and business talent uh, from the Asian community in the UK. And I'll be talking to uh, some of the winners of those awards uh, later on in the podcast. Um, and I noticed also that uh, last week, uh, AIM is to have its first Indian nominated advisor. So the first Indian nomad will be appointed by uh, 2008. The inflow of money and funds and liquidity into the uh, Indian market at the moment, the inward investment, and equally the investment of large Indian companies like Mittal into the UK, mean that there's an extraordinary um, moment in in history of uh, business uh, cooperation and the the community, the Asian community in the UK and the Asian community in in India and elsewhere around the globe um, are coming together. Indian entrepreneurs are now looking at the UK as a potential market as much as Asians here might be thinking the next big opportunity is going to be to link up with India. So in one way, it's really good. I think it gives uh, UK companies a huge opportunity to invest in India and actually you know, uh, build those um, bridges. But also, I do understand a lot of Indian companies, as you know, coming into the UK for investments. Obviously, we've seen Nittle, we've seen Tata, um, you know, those huge companies coming here. And I really do believe if we can embrace that and feel, make them feel welcomed, then we won't be a trampoline onto like the US and other countries abroad. So India has influenced uh, world thinking down the ages. And so there is an intellectual capital potential that uh, India had to offer to the world, which uh, most of these large people or large companies that are driven by top line and uh, growth per quarter, they are not able to address. So ideas, an important part of where India's entrepreneurial boom, if you like, began. Uh, And we heard there from uh, Raj Patel, one of the winners of the uh, Asian Jewel Awards or Southern Jewel Awards uh, this year. Uh, He is the uh, policy director of uh, the Make Your Mark campaign, which promotes uh, young entrepreneurship in the UK. Uh, Also heard from uh, Kamal Hoti, who was the uh, first female Asian bank manager at uh, TSB Bank and currently heads up Lloyd's TSB's Asian Markets Division and does a lot of interesting work in terms of uh, raising cultural awareness around financing uh, Asian businesses in the UK um, and indeed uh, looking at potential markets uh, elsewhere in the Asian diaspora. And Sunil Malhotra, who is CEO of an an archetypal Indian ideas business, a a business called Idea Farms, which examines how uh, the larger companies can innovate more effectively, actually provides strategic views of innovative ideas for larger organizations. Um, This whole ideas business, the whole knowledge-based business, the whole service-based business, very much something that has kick-started or or began the process of uh, developing and evolving uh, the new wave of Indian entrepreneurship, both within India um, and uh, outside India. And I talked to him also about where he sees Indian entrepreneurship, where it's come from, where it's going to, what are its strengths, and how uh, the Indian economy and Indian business compares to that of its uh, rival China. 
the distinction that I see between India and China is that uh, China is going to be way, way ahead of India as far as manufacturing is concerned and in that sense, entrepreneurship. Yeah. And India, according to me, will be the services capital of the world. Uh, uh, not for any other reason, because we've had a head start uh, in the IT revolution, as well as the fact that, uh, you know, we, we are all, we study English uh, and study yeah. do our entire education in English. Yeah. So that's one point. And the second point is I need to put this word smart sourcing into context. I do not want to take the entire credit for the okay. word uh, smart sourcing. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, this is inspired and uh, with due credit to Mr. Tom Kolopoulos uh, of the Delphi Group in the U.S. It's a Boston-based uh, consulting firm. Yeah. And Tom and I have become good friends, and his concept of smart sourcing is exactly what Idea Farms is doing today. Yeah. And I think that would be the fitting way of uh, explaining what is the key distinction or the differentiator that Idea Farms has today. Uh, Tom's concept and my concept uh, of course, uh, Idea Farms did it quite by default without actually realizing that we were doing that. Yes, yeah. Our whole focus, uh, we started up in 2002, and our focus was that, uh, uh, you know, India has uh, perhaps been branded by and large as a low-cost uh, resourcing uh, talent pool. Yeah. And we felt that uh, India has influenced uh, world thinking down the ages, and so there is an intellectual capital potential that uh, India had to offer to the world, which uh, most of these large people or large companies that are driven by top line and uh, growth per quarter, they yeah. are not able to address. Yeah. So Idea Farms found itself in that niche. And the key difference between what we try to do and what others are trying to do is that we saw a great uh, deal of merit in going deep into customers rather than have a string of customers and only scratch the surface. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this is what Tom uh, also talks about. What he says is that innovation is going to be the, uh, the largest uh, driver for Western businesses. Yeah. But, uh, but companies are best at uh, innovating at the core because they understand their business the best. But the total value of innovation comes when you have an outside company that is very, very focused in their own area of core competence and are able to understand enough about uh, your business to be able to provide you innovation in the non-core area. Yeah. Now, that um, that in intellectual, uh, the, the sheer intellectual sort of prowess, as it were, in, in many fields are... Uh, that India is able to draw its talent pool, I think, is a much um, underestimated uh, in some quarters of the West, a much underestimated resource, as you've as you've already pointed out. Um, many people in the UK, for example, will think of the the massive call centres around Hyderabad and 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 consider um, much of sort of India, India's sort of entrepreneurship um, as it's portrayed over here as being based, as you've already said, around um, kind of. Uh, better better value or cheaper delivery of of sort of mass mass service offerings mm -hmm. um yes however there's been a long long tradition and the, the 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 sheer number of indian entrepreneurs in silicon valley for example um demonstrates that 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 long tradition of sort of it um and uh uh, technical expertise that that uh, that the, the, the talent within india has to offer Mm -hmm. um, Very well put. I think uh, what you're saying is uh, absolutely bang on. 
just to to take that a little forward, uh, it's not only in the IT space. If you look at the Silicon Valley and by and large the whole of the U.S., yeah, uh, you'd find uh, the Asian community and a large segment of that being the Indian community in areas like medicine. The top doctors would be yeah. of Indian origin. So it's actually a question of whether you know the opportunities are made available. So. I don't, I mean, I, I quite agree with you that uh, perhaps uh, people do look at India like this, but my take on that is that I think it is an Indian problem. It is that people in India have not recognized the value of communicating or branding India with having this kind of a capability. So I don't blame UK or the US for looking at India just as being a you know, body factory. And far from being a body factory, it's ideas and the service sector that has been a, a motor for a, a kind of revival of Indian entrepreneurship. And I spoke to Ajay Chowdhury, who is president of the Hyderabad division of a group known as the Indus Entrepreneurs, about how he has seen uh, the entrepreneurial spirit within India evolve over the last four or five years. The lot of uh, people, Indians, uh abroad, particularly in U.S. and Europe, they wanted to do something back in India. They were not able to do it because uh, the regulatory mechanism uh, was uh, so difficult for them to start a company. That was one reason. The other reason was uh, uh, importing any technology or uh, any uh, computer systems or any IT-related. Uh, it was so tough uh, for them. And uh, the tax systems, uh, uh, the duties were more than uh, 160% uh, uh, customs duty and uh, followed by central excise duty and uh, so, so on and so forth. And uh, the third reason was uh, the Indian domestic market was uh, not there at all. Yeah, today, what, is, what, is, what happened uh, in India, uh, there are uh, so many venture capital uh, companies from uh, U.S., Europe, from all over the globe. I mean, they saw the opportunity in India. India, India is raising not only the knowledge industry, but uh, even... Uh, uh, knowledge industry actually pushed uh, the business for the other industries because of the knowledge workers uh, assisting them and uh, the airline industry started doing well and uh, the construction industry because of the real estate industry started doing well because uh, there is a lot of disposable income with the IT workers and the knowledge workers and that created uh, the business opportunity for the uh, real estate, uh, for the uh, construction industry, for the steel industry, for the travel industry, for the tourism industry, you name it, all the other sectors started picking up uh, this thing. J.A. Chowdhury there, president of the uh, Hyderabad section of the Indus Entrepreneurs Group, who himself uh, managed a production facility which was uh, supplying uh, the iPod with uh, chips and uh, indeed which was sold to NVIDIA, the graphics card uh, conglomerate, uh, not so long ago. Um, so, J.A., with uh, experience there of uh, the, the, the innovative entrepreneurial production side of uh, business in, the, uh, in India itself, um, his views on uh, entrepreneurship very much uh, reflected in terms of its evolution in India itself by uh, Sunil Malhotra. I personally feel that India, by and large, has not been a very entrepreneurial culture from from the uh, traditional perspective. And uh, the 200-odd years uh, that uh, we were governed by the British uh, also uh, suppressed the entrepreneurship uh, or the entrepreneurial ability amongst uh, people that were out in profession. So 
my short take on that is that India had kind of become more a trading economy than anything else. And uh, uh, on top of that, uh, there was the weight of the political system that was loaded with bureaucracy and it was a very protected uh, environment. I think in India we call it the Babudam. Uh, which which is the all bureaucrats, uh, you know, you get past the politician and then you get stuck at the bureaucracy. And that is why uh, I think that actually substantiates my point that the ones that had entrepreneurial ability were trying to look for areas where it would be recognized and they would have opportunities, which is why they uh, looked to the West and went over to the U.S. primarily. But in the last about five or six or ten years in the course of my traveling, I've actually sensed a couple of things. One is that when I tell people now, uh, when I travel to the U.S. or to the U.K. or in Europe, which is our main market, uh, the kind of respect people give to me as an individual is not more from an individual perspective, but the fact that I come from India and I'm in the IT space. So there is, you know, uh, uh, we've graduated there. And the second thing is that the political system has liberalized to such an extent that now the opportunities exist in India. There are lots of incentives. And one can see many, many people who are willing to take risks and become entrepreneurs rather than apply for secure jobs. Now, clearly the uh, entrepreneurial spirit amongst Asians in the UK has been uh, recognized, as I said, by the, the Jewel Awards that sponsored by Lois TSB just a, a few weeks back. And uh, I spoke to a number of uh, Asian entrepreneurs in the UK about what they felt made uh, their businesses successful, what motivated them, and indeed whether they see any entrepreneurial opportunities when it comes to India itself. I'm Jim Ladakh. I'm chairman of Kettering Town Football Club and chief executive of DRC Locums. They're a recruitment agency that supplies doctors to the NHS and the private sector. Um, well, my dad, obviously, he, he moved to England when I was about one and a half, brought me here from, from Mombasa. And um, we, 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 he, I think um, a lot of Asian parents are, you know, are very strict and obviously have um, ideas for, for what they want their children to achieve. And I think you know he had a huge influence on me. Um, I remember I used to come home from school and um, with, with my marks sort of from tests. And I, remember, I, I vividly remember coming back and um, really excited and telling my dad, you know, I've kept, came top of the class um, in, in my exams. And he was like, well, what, what, what marks did you get? I said, 99%. And he said, well, you know... <laughs> You know, what happened to the other one percent? And I thought he was joking, but you know he was deadly serious. That well, why didn't you get a hundred percent? And I used to hate that when I when I was younger. I was like this, you know. It, it probably led to a bit of a strained relationship because I felt nothing was ever good enough. Um, but then as you grow up, you, you you realize that there's always room for improvement. Um, and if your if your father's giving you that from a young age, then that helps. You know, it, in a funny kind of way. Um, so I've never really you know never really appreciated it at the time. But yeah, he had a big influence because he was he always. It was always making me strive for excellence and feel that no matter what you achieve, you could always do, you could always go that step further. There seem to be a lot of successful Asian entrepreneurs in the UK. Do you think that's part of what has, you know, that 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 striving for for perfection, that um, you know, that that work ethic, I suppose, that that is perhaps instilled via um, by parents. It, well, it's you know, I've thought about it long and hard, and I've always thought it's difficult to say that people of a certain race or background have yeah. you know you know uh, you know and, and to, to put us in certain categories but obviously a lot of our a lot of our parents and grandparents came over and they didn't have anything at all you know my dad you know really didn't have anything and we, we you know we used to live in Brixton and we got burgled three times in a week and you know didn't have yeah. anything and 
you know, when you've when you've lived like that and and you've got to you have to work really hard and you see that from your parents, then it just um, you know, nothing's on a plate, nothing's been given to you, yeah. and you've got to go and get it. And if you want something, you have to. So I suppose a lot of a lot a lot of my friends as well that are successful, that you know, they've had similar backgrounds. And I think yeah. um, you know, if actually if we can then pass that on to the next generation, that you know, even if we're successful, that if they can remember the fact that you know you you know you have to work and you know nothing is for free and you don't spoil your children, then you know, I'm sure we can keep that going. Imran Nadak there, um, chairman of Kettering Town Football Club and uh, chief executive of DRC Locum, so winner of the Asian Jewel or uh, Southern Jewel Awards um, and who has appeared on the Sunday Times Young Rich list up there with Cristiano Ronaldo and such a, a successful business man for uh, recognising um, some of the uh, parental influence that has been part of uh, the motivation for his success. Well, my name is Kamal Hoti, and um, I'm at the present. I'm the Asian Markets Director for Lloyd's TSB Bank. I'm originally um, was born in India, and I came here when I was about six. And I'm based in the city at the moment. If we go back in, in over the last 60 years, this year we're celebrating the independence of India and Pakistan. Yeah. And we look at the immigrants and the people that came to the UK, those people that were chucked out of Uganda and came here. I feel that once you've been through that sort of heartache of losing everything and deciding to to come to a country that maybe like my parents couldn't speak a word of English, mm-hmm. you know, you have no option but to succeed. And when you've had maybe like my father was recognized in Punjab for building one of the biggest dams by uh, Nero himself, but the only job he could find was working in the production line in the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe our, our, our parents have installed in us, you know, you really have to push yourself. And yes, there were glass ceilings and those people who were trying to get jobs um, in the corporate or mainstream um, were hindered and, you know, didn't actually get on and probably felt devalued and that their skills weren't uh, appreciated. So hence, entrepreneurship and setting up your own businesses was one way of actually feeling as satisfied in your in your career and making money and I do and I think that's where the you know the corner shops popped up in the first early part of the, the 60s yeah and now the children and I do believe you know the third generation I, I believe I'm living my dreams through my children many of my you know um, colleagues and friends are we're pushing our children coming out of uh, going through the graduate schools and I believe you know 38 percent um, that are leaving graduates are now uh, Indian which when you think of we're less than 4% of the, you know, the population, which is a massive improvement. So, you know, getting a degree, getting education, um, we do believe that that's one way of actually breaking those glass ceilings in a much faster, you know, uh, um, progress up the corporate ladder. One person to have certainly broken through a glass ceiling or two uh, is Raj Patel, who's currently Director of Policy at the Make Your Mark campaign aimed at uh, inspiring younger people to take up entrepreneurship. Um, he went from, uh, as the son of a, an Indian immigrant living in a one-bedroom flat in London, uh, went on to become a, a senior policy advisor in the office of the Deputy Prime Minister, so at the very heart of government. And I asked Raj about how he felt perceptions of Asian entrepreneurs in the UK had changed over the last few years? I think uh, there, it, it is critically important to try and celebrate uh, Asian entrepreneurship. And the reason is that it has changed very significantly over the last, I would say, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so while the popular perception of Asian entrepreneurs might be 
that um, they started off running corner shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and indeed, there are still many who are engaged in the retail sector. I think there are two major revolutions taking place, which I suspect are probably under the radar screen as far as maybe mainstream media is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the two revolutions are, one, that uh, many pe- many businesses who started out quite small uh, have actually managed to move out of some of their unproductive niches uh, and are now actually into the middle market, yeah. um, running fairly sizable businesses. Um, and the second change that's actually taking place is that there is a new generation uh, of not just ethnic, uh, not just Asian young people, but generally more generally ethnic minority young people, mm-hmm. who are choosing not, who are choosing entrepreneurship not as a way of um, finding more productive routes to work, um, i.e., being pushed because they couldn't find the kind of jobs they were looking for, yeah. but are choosing entrepreneurship as a positive choice. Uh, and so when you actually look at the evidence, what you find is that the entrepreneurship rates amongst 18 to 34-year-olds is twice that of their white counterparts. And given that predominantly the Asian um, community is young, mm. uh, I, uh, unlike the, the white community, which has got a much more of an aging workforce, yeah. you then begin to realize the tremendous potential that if this new generation of young people coming through yeah. um, not, both, not only aspire to entrepreneurship, but actually uh, then end up starting uh, businesses, then that has a tremendous potential to um, contribute to UK PLC, mm. but also create uh, a generation of entrepreneurs who uh, are, in a sense, uh, coming at it from a second or third generation perspective, i.e. they're doing it far more for positive reasons than they're doing to, to earn a living only. Do you see opportunities for uh, Asian entrepreneurs in Britain to link up with those uh, in India and, and, and actually accrue an advantage? Um, I think that's already uh, beginning to happen to a certain extent. Um, one of the things that I think Asian entrepreneurs bring um, is that because some of them have largely emigrated from different countries, not necessarily from India, but certainly from East Africa as well as other places, um, they, in a sense, uh, I guess, feel far more comfortable about being able to operate in a new environment. I think there is also another trend that's, that's taking place, which is probably that Indian entrepreneurs are now looking at the UK as a potential market. Yeah. As much yeah. as uh, Asians here might be thinking the next big opportunity is going to be to link up with uh, India. Yeah. Um, and so to that extent, uh, I think that provides quite a fertile territory for uh, partnership development mm, mm. Uh, with, with, with Indian companies who maybe want a toehold uh, in the UK. Uh, and as we know, I think India is now the second biggest 
inward investor yeah. in the UK after the USA. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, uh, it's quite important uh, for uh, aspiring on entrepreneurs, certainly Asian entrepreneurs, to think far more globally, and I suspect many of them already are thinking far more globally about what they would like to do ultimately. I believe with our, uh, you know, this cultural uh, history that we've got with India, there's a huge opportunity here. And already we're seeing some, um, we had the Minister from Finance over here, um, Colonel Nath, and I asked him that particular question about, in the past, you know, youngsters in India were keen to um, go abroad and explore, you know, the, the wider world and, um, you know, earn their income. Yeah. What we're finding now is that they're seeing that India is changing and India is now offering them much more opportunity. And in fact, the Western companies are going out to India and, and obviously opening their head offices and their outlets out there. So mm. why go abroad when they can actually help those companies set up? So that's one angle, and which may actually affect UK if we then start seeing we're already struggling with skills here, aren't we, in the UK? Mm. If that migration of uh, immigrants isn't coming to the UK, vice versa, I think the especially the, the the community in the UK that have got connections back home in India, which majority still have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in fact, I took my children back just a year ago, and my eldest is at university. Um, I wasn't sure how he'd react because, you know, there is still poverty out there and it's quite yeah. different to the Western. But actually, he was very eager. We've got some property back home. He wanted to design a hotel. He wants to see it build. And he's even yeah. thinking about, hold on a minute, let me go back and have a look. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's seeing, so he's I, seeing entrepreneurial opportunity in oh, India. That, yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, in fact, property out there, I think, it, you know, you can, um, the payback, I think, is three times faster than investment here in the UK. So... In one way, it's really good. I think it gives uh, UK companies a huge opportunity to invest in India and actually, you know, uh, build those um, bridges. But also, I do understand a lot of Indian companies, as you know, coming into the UK yeah. for investments. Obviously, we've seen Nipple, we've seen Tata, um, you know, those huge companies coming here. And I really do believe if we can embrace that and feel, make them feel welcomed, then we won't be a trampoline onto like the US and other countries abroad. Kamal Hoti there, um, the Asian Markets Director of uh, Lloyd's TSB. And uh, there we are. I hope that gives you a, a picture of the kind of um, the interrelationship between uh, entrepreneurship in, in India and the evolving scene in India uh, and the relationship that still exists um, with uh, successful Asian entrepreneurs in the UK and the opportunities uh, billions of pounds worth of, of business opportunities in terms of trade, in terms of cooperation, in terms of uh, uh, building relationships that are already embedded uh, between uh, the UK and India uh, and other Asian countries. So um, uh, fascinating time, and I hope you found uh, those uh, insights from entrepreneurs and, and experts in the field uh, of interest. I certainly did. Okay, now on to a few comments. Uh, I'm going to have to catch up with uh, a lot of comments uh, in the next show because I don't want to run over too much and uh, we'll come on to those. So if I don't mention your email or your comment, don't worry, uh, you'll uh, get a mention on the next show. Uh, firstly, Rowena Mead, uh, who, if you read the blog regularly, she contributes with a, a diary of an entrepreneur. Uh, she's inventing invented this new toothbrush um, and she is going to be on BBC's Money Programme. So... Do uh, check it out. 
Uh, she, uh, oh, let me, I'll put the, the, the link um, and the uh, date in the show notes. I think it's going to be at on Friday the 2nd of November at 7pm on BBC Two. That's Rowena Mead of Small Biz Pod's blog fame. Do check out her posts. Um, uh, going to appear on uh, an edition of uh, The Money Programme talking specifically about innovation. So well done, Rowena. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, and then uh, I had an email from Dermot O'Donovan, who runs CPDYs, which is kind of an e-learning site in Ireland. Uh, they're up for the Irish Internet Association's Net Visionary Awards. I'll put a link into the show notes if you go over and give him a vote if you're feeling generous. And I, I hope you are. Uh, we'll, he would much appreciate that. So do, uh, do go and vote for Dermot if you can. Other than that... Uh, Andrea, you'll remember in the last show, uh, came up with uh, a question in relation to staffing. She says, very much appreciate your dedication to your show and replying to my email very thoroughly. Um, She's going to take a look at the website, listen to the show, and um, I hope that she sorts out her her staffing issues in sunny Barcelona. So thanks, Andrea, for that. And then Gordon Graham, a long-time listener of Small Biz Pod, uh, who has a great blog called brokenbulbs.com, um, uh, writes to me, he's moving to the US, which is interesting. Uh, currently, currently, I think, based in, um, uh, was it China or, I can't remember, Singapore. No, no, Taiwan, that's it, uh, based in Taiwan. He's moving over to the US. Uh, it's certainly a fantastic electronica mix, uh, really, really superb. It's a brilliant, uh, progressive house dj really but anyway uh, good luck to you gordon and thanks for writing and then just quickly i will say hello to uh helen brown in dublin who uh, signed up to the frapper map uh, newly self-employed and podcast dependent uh, i hope you're not so podcast dependent helen that you can't that you you know that you don't that doesn't put you off uh starting your business and getting off the ground so um good luck to you with that thanks for that uh paul anthony uh in uh, northern ireland hi paul and sam fisher in cranbrook in kent which is only just around the corner from me a picture of his little boy or maybe that is sam fisher saying my dad says it makes the daily commute more bearable so uh thanks for that all of you okay that's just about it apart from uh the music at the end of the show which uh, if the survey is anything to go by 30 odd percent of you really uh, don't like at all but i don't care <laughs> here is an artist called beckett from the exogene label it's a bit of drum and bass it's from ireland appropriate name beckett beckett being one of my favorite all-time playwrights uh, samuel beckett uh, no relation here possibly but a great piece of interesting drum and bass so enjoy <laughs>